Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. And welcome to Talking Hockey Sense. I'm Chris Peters. It's so good to be back with you after a few weeks away. This is episode 21 of the podcast as we start the second season of Talking Hockey Sense. So glad you could be back with me here as we get back to talking hockey. And had to take those weeks off just to get ready for this season. To think about different ways to to provide more content for you on, on Hockey Sense with Chris Peters on Substack as well as this podcast. And, you know, it's just been... Getting ready for another year. And the nice thing is, is that we're preparing for a season that's going to be at least closer to normal. We're going to have more fans in the building. We're going to have, uh, you know, hopefully less disruptions to the schedule. And and and, and that will help us get to uh, a much better uh, place, you know, in terms of having a full season, having something that's a little bit closer to normal. We are already underway, preseason underway in the CHL right now. Uh, so we're going to, you know, see that it looks like Canadian Hockey Leagues are going to get started on time. The USHL just had its fall classic, and, and so the regular season is underway in the USHL. And then this weekend, and what will be the main focus of this week's episode of the podcast, is the men's college hockey season starts on Saturday, and really excited for that. So I brought in my good friend Brad Schlossman, who was on the podcast last year during the NCAA tournament, and he is back to help me preview the whole uh, season because we, we we hit every single conference. If you're an NHL fan that isn't as familiar with college hockey, I think this is a good podcast for you to listen to because it gives you an idea of the landscape of college hockey this year. And it's a really exciting season because there are a ton of NHL prospects, high-end NHL prospects. you got the number one pick, the number two pick, the number four pick, and the number five pick in college hockey this year from the most recent draft. That has never happened before. And I'll tell you what, they're all on the same team, which you probably already knew because we've been talking about Michigan all the time. But we're not just going to focus on Michigan on this podcast. Of course, we're going to talk about them as one of the top teams in the country. But there's a lot of other things to look forward to. I think Minnesota might be one of the best teams on paper. You've got UMass with a legitimate bid to repeat as as national champions. Um, you know, Minnesota State, St. Cloud State were in the Frozen Four last year. They're going to have really good teams. Um, you know, what's Boston College and Boston University going to look like? They've had some losses from their from their rosters that will make. A significant impact. How is Hockey East going to shake out? We've got the Ivies back, thankfully. Harvard's going to have a real good team and, and a lot of NHL prospects. So there's a lot to look forward to. So Brad and I are going to break down the entire season, conference by conference. We're going to talk about free agents. We're going to talk about guys that are getting ready for the draft and, and a lot of different things, our, our, our favorite sleeper teams, breakout candidates, and just NHL prospects that you should know about over the course of uh, this college hockey season. So please ch- check that out. Even if you're an NHL fan, I think there's there's plenty there. Brad and I you know, went pretty comprehensive, so you can kind of 
pick your spots there in terms of what you want. We also do have some questions that were sent in by listeners over Twitter uh, that, that we'll get to as well. So plenty to go to in this podcast. Before we go any further, though, I need to remind you, if you want to support this podcast, the best way to do it is actually to also support Hockey Sense with Chris Peters on Substack. Get a subscription there very, very soon. I will have my top 100 NHL drafted prospects just ahead of the NHL season here. That is coming out, I believe, the beginning of October. So stay tuned for that. It is the the top 100 players, capsules on each of them. The number one has been very difficult to figure out. I've been debating it. It's going to happen. Uh, you know, it might be the decision might be made right as I'm getting ready to publish in terms of who I think will be the number one player. But if you're a, a fan of a team of in Southern California, one you know one of those teams, you're going to be pretty happy about who is number one because that's basically where we're at at this point. All right, so I've got Brad coming in again. If you if you want to subscribe. To Hockey Sense with Chris Peters on sub on Substack, that is a six dollar monthly subscription or a fifty four dollar annual subscription. So you essentially save three months off of the monthly um, if you do the annual. And there's also the supporting subscriber option, which allows you to, if you really believe in what I'm doing and you want to help support the website and you want to help support me in in doing this, and and you know I really appreciate the people that have done that. It helps me fund more of my travel and things like that. I just got to go to Arizona for the rookie face-off in uh, there where we got to see all sorts of top prospects. So um, the more that the, that you guys can help me out with the website and, and I'm going to try and turn out you know high-end content that is what you can't find anywhere else and, and certainly um, very detailed prospect content as well. And I, I really do hope that you will check that out because uh, I'm having a blast doing it. I really appreciate everybody that has uh, signed on uh, as a subscriber because we are growing and growing and the more that it grows the more i can keep doing this and the and the better the content will be if i can travel and 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 make sure that i'm uh add a lot of different things that that you care about um including things like the world juniors and 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 things like that so i'm just going to continue to keep that train rolling and i can't do it without your help so please do uh try and support that but i'm really excited because uh the hockey season is here and we need to start talking about it and i couldn't think of a better option then Brad Schlossman, who covers the University of North Dakota for the Grand Forks Herald. But boy, does he ever have his finger on the pulse of the nation as a whole. Always interested in Brad's takes on college hockey. So I'm going to send it over now to my interview with Brad Schlossman of the Grand Forks Herald. Well, I'm very pleased to be joined by... Brad Schlossman of the Grand Forks Herald for my first episode of season two of Talking Hockey Sense. And Brad, of course, was on the program last year. A very popular episode, particularly in the city of Ottawa. I think we may have set an all-time downloads record for Ottawa, Ontario. But Brad, welcome back to Talking Hockey Sense. Good afternoon, Chris. It is is great to have you because college hockey is starting – this weekend, we had women's college hockey last weekend start, start us off. We got men's college hockey starting this weekend uh, upcoming. Um, so if you're listening to this, uh, it is 
October 2nd is the first day that we're going to have uh, college games. Am I right? Yeah. October 2nd. Um, and interestingly enough, this year, the way that the season's going to start, it's going to be a little bit different where they're actually going to be division one teams playing against each other in games that technically don't count. Uh, they're going to be exhibition games. That's kind of part of a, a way to mitigate the, the inability for a lot of those Canadian universities to come across the border. Um, and so now some of those teams you'll, you'll look and, and you have to make sure you're looking at the right schedule to see what they are, but that's how we're going to start the season. So it'll be a little bit staggered and uh, but, but we're going to have some real games as of Saturday games that will count games. that will count for, you know, the, the, the decisions to make uh, for um, the, the college hockey season for the, for the playoffs, for the NCAA tournament, all those things that starts in earnest on Saturday. So um, Brad, I, you know, I want to start it off by talking a little bit about this upcoming season. I think that the one thing that strikes me is one, it's going to be much more normal than last season. And two, because of last season, I have no idea what's going to happen this year. I mean, I really, I college hockey is never predictable, but I feel like this year in particular coming out of the pandemic season, who knows what's going to happen? I mean, what, what are some of the things that maybe you're looking at as we just jump off into this first weekend and get the season started? Well, I think there's a a bunch of things. Uh, Number one, when I'm filling out my pool, one thing I'm keeping in the back of my mind is uh, I'm not sure a lot of people realize that leading up to last season, things were very different for different teams. Um, for example, uh, in, in states that had really tight, in states and schools that had really tight coronavirus restrictions, there are some teams that barely practiced as full teams leading in the season. Let's take Denver, for example they couldn't have groups larger than 10. So they were practicing with three different units. Um, Of course, one of their goalies, Devin Cooley signs during that time. So one of their practice units doesn't even have a goalie out on the ice. Um, And all of a sudden, you know, CC was in their similar circumstances, Western Michigan, Northern Michigan. And then all of a sudden, boom, they're thrown into games. And all, all these teams really struggled. Denver struggled in the pod. Um, Western Michigan struggled in the pod. Northern Michigan got off to a terrible start. And so I think that's one thing I kept in mind, like, hey, understand that these teams had difficult circumstances to start last season. Um, Number two, the offseason was like no other offseason we've ever seen in college hockey history. You had the seniors were all able to come back because last year did not count against anyone's eligibility. You had the one-time transfer rule finally went through that we were long anticipating. So now all of a sudden you have all these underclassmen that are transferring because they don't have to sit out. You have all these seniors who um, some of them can't go back to their programs because they already promised those spots to freshmen, but they still want to play. So they're all going in the portal. So you have this massive amount of players in the portal. And then you have college hockey coaches trying to decide which freshmen to bring in when they haven't seen a single one of them play a game in person in over a year, and some of their Canadian recruits didn't play at all. So you're dealing with all these converging circumstances where, yeah, that's why I think you're right. It is, it is fairly unpredictable. I, I think we have an idea of who we, some teams we think are going to be good, but there is more um, probably unpredictability in this off season and leading into this season than most. 
Yeah, exactly. I mean, I, I think that, you know, we're, we're trying to say that this is a normal season, but it really isn't. It, mm-hmm. it isn't in turn, you know, it's normal compared to last year. We were expecting to get full schedules. We're expecting to have different things happen, but really, yeah, you're exactly right. There is, there is nothing about the buildup to this season that was similar for anybody. And, and the mm-hmm. transfer portal, the, the extra year, I've got a story coming up in USA hockey magazine about how that extra year for guys, trickles down and you you know there are guys that are pushed off a year that were expecting to come to junior and there are guys mm-hmm. that were expecting to go to junior that have to stay with their u18 teams or their high school teams or you know so there's a real trickle down in, in everything that happens from the nhl on down um and there's a bit of a chain reaction so that's something that that, that is also in there but you know as we record this we're recording this on uh, monday september 27th which is the uh, first day that we've been able to see the preseason polls for USCHO, USA Today, um, USA Hockey Magazine, uh, college hockey polls for, for men's hockey. And at the top is UMass, the defending national champion. And, and I actually got, uh, I, I put out a call for questions. I'm going to ask some of them now as we go through some of these teams so that we don't have to, to kind of go over them later. But I, I, this came from Andrew Leonardo Roy. Sorry, unless it's Wah, and then, you know, this is a hockey podcast, so very well could be Wah, but I'm going to say Roy. Um, thoughts on UMass sustaining success, a good amount of new guys this year, interested to see how they fit into Greg Carvel's culture and system. And they are number one. They did have some significant losses from last year's national championship team. Zach Jones, who I thought was a do-everything defenseman for them, um, I, I think that, that it was a bit of a surprise to see him turn pro uh, last season uh, just because he, he really took – multiple steps forward signed with the New York Rangers. Um, you know, there are other guys that, that were either aged out, they lose their goaltender um, uh, in, in Philip Lindbergh, who was a superstar for them uh, as well. So, you know, there are, they, they do have Matt Murray coming back in net, but one thing that I'll point out about UMass and then I'll kick it over to you is that, you know, we, we, we thought, how are they going to recover from the loss of Kale McCarr and Mario Ferraro? How are they going to manage to compete and then they went out and won the national championship. I mean, you know, and yes, it was a weird season, but I watched that team a lot last year and I was at the frozen four um, and they were, they deserved what they got. They, they deserved what they got. They were a great team. They absolutely dominated the national championship game. Um, but, you know, for you, I mean, seeing them at number one at the preseason, you know, I, I think it's, it, it's going to be tough for them to sustain championship level success necessarily but there's no question in my mind that UMass has become uh, a top program and will be uh, as long as Greg Carvel's there yeah I, I mean I think when I look at teams that have had a ton of success in college hockey recently it's often been fueled by the decor it's the mm-hmm. team best decor uh, I think you could make a really good argument that the two best teams last year were UMass in North Dakota who had the two best decors in the country, UMass and North Dakota. Um, When Minnesota Duluth was uh, winning, they had, you know, Perunovic and Sam and Wolf, you know, they were really deep on their decor. It wasn't explosive forwards that were winning them their titles. It was the D. So I think that's a place where UMass has been really successful in building their teams. And, and, you know, now all of a sudden you lose Jones, um, you know, you lose Del Geizo and those are, those are yeah. tough. They're, they're bringing in some good players. You know, the, the Slava Demon has been around, 
you know, I, I think what, what was Ryan Ufko, uh, first team, all USHL last yeah. year. Yeah. So, you know, they're, they're bringing in some good guys, but, um, you, you know, you lose, you know, arguably your two best D you lose your leading goal scorer and Carson Kasevich, you know, Oliver Charles, your second leading scorer. So, you know, there are going to be some bumps on the road. You, you can't just lose all these prominent players, I, I think, and, and keep going. I, I think there are going to be some bumps in the road. I don't have them number one. Um, I might have them around the 10 or so, 10 to 12 area, I want to say. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, we're talking, as you said, a team that is sustaining success. It, it wasn't a one-year fluke that they were really good. They're, they're going to be in the mix again. Yeah, and having a Kale McCarr in your program at any point, whether he's there for a year or two, just him wearing that UMass jersey, Mm -hmm. that's the kind of guy that's going to make more and more defensemen want to go to the University of Massachusetts and and they'll continue to thrive it, you know, go in there. We saw, you know, Scott Morrow initially planning to go to North Dakota. The spot wasn't going to be available for him. He he decides that he's going to go to UMass, you know, and that very well could end up being a good thing for him. Both schools great at developing defensemen. So, you know, that's, that's, that's solid. But I do think that what Greg Carville has done is he's built a, you know, a culture where um, the status quo was not acceptable at, at UMass. There, there was always room to push higher and guys like Makar and Ferraro, you know, set that standard and then exceeded it. And then you had guys like Jones and Matthew Kessel and, and now Bobby Trevino, who, who will be a big time leader for them this season um, that, that, have maintained that standard. And so that I think that that's something for them to live up to. They did lose assistant coach, Ben Barr, who is now at the university of Maine um, and Ben Barr, one of the great recruiters in the nation um, and certainly one of the most respected assistant coaches. But, you know, you look at what they've done, they've done there with, with Greg Carville and Jared DeMichael still there really good staff and, and team. But uh, I do want to shift focus now um, to the big 10, which is going to have one of the great battles, I think, um, for the top of the top of the league. And I think it's probably going to be the two big M's, the two block M's that we're going to be looking at um, for them. And, you know, they're right next to each other in the various polls, Michigan ranked third in the USCHO preseason poll with 11 first place votes, Minnesota ranked fourth with two first place votes. However, Minnesota did get the second most first place votes in the other poll, the USA hockey magazine, USA today poll, where they got seven, first place votes uh, behind only UMass in terms of number of first place, first place votes received. Now you've got, <laughs> we're going to start with Michigan because that is going to be, if you're an NHL fan, all you've been hearing about since the NHL draft is how loaded Michigan is. And let's face it, they're loaded. Four of the first five draft picks in the last draft will be on this team this year. Owen Power, Maddie Beneers, Kent Johnson and Luke Hughes. So four of the top five picks from the most recent draft, which is just ridiculous to think about. And not only that, they still have first rounders, Johnny Beecher. They have Brendan Brisson. Um, you know, they've, they've got Mackie Samuskevich, who was also picked in the first round of the last draft. Um, and then, you know, you've got other just fantastic players like Thomas Bortolo, who wasn't a first round draft pick, plays like one. Um, you know, there, there's so much talent on that roster. I mean, Brad, we, we just don't get to see, we've seen a lot of great prospects come through college hockey. I don't think we've ever seen such a high concentration of high value, highly picked prospects. I mean, can it work for Michigan? 
Yeah, I, I think there's two, I have two conflicting thoughts. Uh, number one, we saw this to an extent with BU a few years ago. They had like six first round picks on their team when they had uh, Clayton Keller, Ellos, uh-huh. uh, they had McAvoy, uh, Ottinger and Goal. Um, and I remember heading into that season, everyone thought this team was just going to steamroll everyone. Now they were good, but they weren't great. Um, they, they, I think that year there was like a three-way tie for the league title. Uh, they did not win the bean pot. They didn't win the hockey East, uh, title. Um, I, they weren't a number one seed in the NCAA tournament. So, I mean, they were good. They made the tournament. They were among the top team, but they weren't great um, And because they were so young. Now, the difference with Michigan and BU might be that while BU had, what, six first-round picks on that team, the Michigan guys are, like, top five picks. We're not talking, like, 25. <laughs> we're talking top five. Like, in Four that top five picks. <laughs> to this point. So I think the, ex- the interesting experiment – this year that everyone's going to be following is if this team isn't great, I think you have to come to the conclusion. You need to mix in more older players. Cause if you can't win big this year, and I'm not talking national championship, things go awry in a one game shot, but if they don't win, like, you know, if they're not as good as we think they're going to be, then maybe it's tough to win with a lot of young players and you need to mix mix in older players. But I, I do think they're no doubt top five team. I, I think they're going to be really good. Um, and yes, I think Minnesota and Michigan are, there, there's a big gap between those two and the rest of the big 10. Yeah, I, I agree. And I mean, you know, you definitely, you look at it, you have all those headlining names, but then you, you, you need to win with depth too. You need a complete team to win. And, you know, I think of guys like, like Nick Blankenberg, who, who will be a senior for the team and one of their captains, I think he'll be a very important figure in, in their efforts there. Eric Portillo, who's a sophomore goaltender and a, and a prospect of the Buffalo Sabres, will be getting the net because they did lose Strauss Mann, who was their number one goalie last year. He left for pro hockey. I, th- you know, I think there was, there was at least some people that thought, hey, maybe he's going to get an NHL deal. One never materialized, so he ends up going to Sweden where he's playing professionally now. And that opens the door for Portillo, who is a high upside guy, but mostly unproven at this level. Um, and, but then they did get other guys like Michael Pastajov came back for a fifth year, um, you know, and, and he's a good two-way guy. Jimmy Lambert came back, um, you know, to, to be a, a leader on this team. So those are guys that, that can potentially help them. But yeah, their best players are sophomores and freshmen. Um, and it is difficult to win with that. But I, but I do think that they're of a certain quality because, you know, you, hmm. they, they bring in, they had the great recruiting class last year. They bring in another great recruiting class led by, by Luke Hughes. Then you get Dylan Duke. You also have Mackie Samuskevich as like the key guys among mm-hmm. the freshman class. And Ethan Edwards, who played in the USHL, he's a, been drafted a couple of years ago. Um, they're going to have one of the more mobile and exciting blue lines, I think, uh, in, in college hockey, just with the amount of puck movement that they have. But again, in college hockey, as we've seen, you need older players to kind of push. Uh, and, and and we see it all the time. And I, I think that you know, you look at Minnesota State making it last year. I, I had yep. joked with a, a friend of mine who who works in the AHL that I said, like, I'm pretty sure their average age was higher than your teams. And, <laughs> and it was close. It was really yeah. close. Um, and, you know, so, yeah, so it's just interesting to see how that works. 
And this year we're dealing with an even older college hockey landscape because of all these super seniors that are coming back. Um, So it it will be interesting to see how it plays out. I, I I think, don't get me wrong. I think they're going to be really good. Uh, Yeah, me too. Exactly. How good are they going to be? Are, are they going to uh, easily win the big 10 or is Minnesota going to win it? Um, It's uh, it'll be really interesting. So Uh, I think we'll all enjoy following that this year and tracking uh, how it how it turns out. Yeah, absolutely. And and as you said, it's just uh, we did get a question from Jake Baskin about this, and it just you know what what are your takes on the Michigan recruiting model of getting as many top young recruits as they can? Can it be a winning strategy? Recently, the most successful teams have featured many upperclassmen and, and older underclassmen. Will Michigan be too talented to fail? In a sense, and I, I mean that's the that's the real question, right? I mean, it is. You know, are they too talented to fail? And and I think the thing the thing that I see is with Owen Power, Maddie Beneers, Kent Johnson in particular, and Thomas Bortolo as well, who was the rookie of the year in the Big Ten, despite yeah. all those other guys going yeah. uh, super high in the draft. You know, there is going to be a significant difference from year one to year two from those players because we saw it with yes. Kale McCarr, we saw it with Quinn Hughes, we saw mm. it with Zach Wierenski, Charlie McAvoy. The guys that stay for two years that are that good of a prospect, mm-hmm. the jump between year one and year two is such that I do think that they're going to be a significantly better team than they were last season. Losing Cam York off the roster, who was their top defenseman, the top defenseman in the Big Ten last year, is really it, it's going to challenge them. Uh, you know, I don't know, is Luke Hughes ready to step right into that kind of role? Is it going to be some other guy, you know, it's uh, Nick Blankenberg is going to be probably be a guy that, that shoulders a lot of the minutes on the, the blue line. But, but, you know, if you think that this team is going to walk through college hockey and mop the floor with everybody, you, you haven't been paying attention to how things have worked in college hockey over the last couple of years. And, and just within their own conference, they didn't beat Minnesota once last year and Minnesota is better this year than they were last year. And, and that's the question to me. Like I, we started out, the teams that have been really good in college hockey have been the teams with the best decors. And, and Michigan's should be solid. Don't get me wrong. I mean, they have two top five picks on the team. But yeah. Minnesota, they have a really good decor, and it's getting older now. You've got, you know, Lacombe is getting older. Johnson's getting older. Castor comes back. Um I'm even forgetting another high-end guy they have there. I'm, you know, drawing a blank, but I mean, they have some really good players who are starting to get older now on the back end. And when I look from top to bottom, Minnesota might have the best decor in the Big Ten, even better than Michigan's. I would probably take this. So um, I think th- those games are going to be awesome. And of course, unfortunately, last year, one of the series they played was during the world juniors. So both teams were like absolutely decimated and they were shells of what they actually were last year. But um, no, I, I think that's going to be the, uh, that those are going to be some fun battles this year. Absolutely. And, and, you know, you look at the top recruiting classes in that are coming in this year and Minnesota has got one of them. Uh, they have a lot of guys that, that, you know, either played some extra years of junior hockey or coming off of the draft. They've got Chaz Lucius, who was a first round draft pick, Matthew Nice, who I think is going to have a big freshman season. He's a, he's, he's a physically capable guy. He had a great world junior camp. I'm really excited to see how he steps in and what kind of, is he an immediate impact player? Uh, but, you know, I think the story of Minnesota is the experience that they're bringing back. And that starts with their goaltender in Jack LaFontaine, who decided to come back for the fifth year. 
He's a former Michigan recruit. Um, you know, he played for Michigan, transferred, you know, sat out a year, played an extra year of junior, got better. And now, you know, he was a Hobie Baker top 10 guy last year. And, and uh, you know, a, a, a guy that really, you know, probably will enter the season as a Hobie hat trick favorite, um, you know, just with how well he played last season. Um, he does have, you know, he's drafted by Carolina, but, you know, he's at this point free to be a free agent um, as soon as he leaves school. <laughs> so um, really interesting. So it starts from there. And then, as you mentioned, the decor, you know, you look at the, the experience that they have back there and and it's you know it's Brock Faber who's a sophomore who might be their best defensive defenseman that's who I was missing yeah Brock you've got you've got um uh, you know Mike Kester who I think is is overshadowed on that team but a really great skater and, and a guy that can make things happen offensively Ben Brinkman who hits everything in sight um and you know Jackson Lacombe who was a, a first team all big 10 last year and probably will be again this year um, you know, Ryan Johnson, first round draft pick of the Buffalo Sabres. I mean, and you know, you're looking at all these guys and they have a guy who I think is probably going to be one of the bit most sought after college free agents and Ben Myers, who, uh, is, is a do everything forward. Um, you know, and, and so you've got so many different players that, that are going to help you. And, and that's not even to mention Sammy Walker, who, who I thought was okay last season. I thought it was below his standard last season, but if he's back on top of his game, I mean, this is a team that really could be a dominant team in college hockey this year. They're to me going into the season. I think they're the best team on paper. I think Minnesota is the best team on paper. It doesn't yeah. mean, does not mean that they're going to win the national championship? Well, it's college hockey. And, and, and I can't say that without any amount of confidence that, that anyone's going to win the the national yeah. championship yeah. this year. But, um, but yeah, I mean, those two teams are, are really exciting and, and certainly getting a chance to see Minnesota up close this year is is definitely on my list of uh, my to-do list for this season. Yeah. And, and, and they add an older player in Grant Crookshank up, up Good front. Point. Mm-hmm. And, uh, he can uh, add some age there. So, yeah, I think those, those two uh, should be uh, top five the entire year. Absolutely. So you cover the NCHC most closely. And, and the reason mm-hmm. I have Brad on is that yes, he covers the NCHC, but this is a guy that has his finger on the pulse of the nation as well. Uh, but we are going to get to your bread and butter here in the NCHC, and we'll, we'll be getting to the other conferences in just a second. But um, seeing, you know, St. Cloud State is probably the, the odds-on favorite coming into the season just because they went to the Frozen Four. They had, you know, an opportunity. They were in the national championship game. They, they have done such a great job as a program. You have to give a lot of credit to Brett Larson for the job that he's done since taking over for Bob Motzko there and really building a program. But you know, you're always waiting for them to take the next step. We were waiting for them to get out of the first round. Well, they got out of the first round last year. They made it all the way to the the last weekend of the season. And now it's time to take another step. I mean, do they have, given the, 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 the difficulty of that conference, do they have the goods to, to make another run this year? Yeah. You know, I think uh, when you look at last year, they finished second in the league in the regular season, second in the league in the postseason and second in the national tournament. So it wasn't a fluke. Like it wasn't like they made some run at the national tournament, got lucky a few games, like the whole season, they were consistent. Um, And then they got all those seniors back because of the rule that seniors can return. So Easton Brodzinski's back, Uh, you know, Seamus Donahue, they got some D men back. They got forwards back. Like their whole team came back. Um, And, and then, um, 
they have a, a D-man, uh, Perbix, who had a great year last year. And I think we all kind of thought he was going to sign. And yeah, he did. I did. <laughs> and so now all of a sudden you got him back. Um, you bring in Jack Peart from the Fargo Force, who had a, a really good year last year. And yeah, I mean, I, I just think they proved it all year long that they weren't a fluke. They've got a little bit of everything. They're really deep up front. Uh, on any given night, you don't know what line's going to be the one that hurts you. Like, you don't go into a game saying, well, you got to slow down. You know, maybe Miettinen's a guy you got to slow down, but like, they still have a bunch of other guys that can win games for them. Um, so, I, yeah, I, I think they're uh, legit uh, and they'll be in the mix all year long. Yeah, absolutely. I think that that's, it's going to be interesting to watch. I mean, I think Pert is definitely the, uh, the, you know, the, the blue chip guy that they're bringing in this year, but you know, you think about the way that they play, they play so hard physical, they're, they're hard to play against. They protect mm-hmm. pucks. Well, um, you know, I don't have a Husky, but my dog is barking like an absolute savage right now. Your, your dog um, knows we're talking about the, the like, dogs right now, huh? Like I am big fan, big fan of Huskies. Um, but you know, I, I just think that that yeah, getting that experience back, getting those guys to buy in to come back and say let's get let's get one more run at this thing, let's go in there. You know, you look like Luke Jaycox. You know, I feel like he's been in college hockey for a hundred years, uh, but you know, like it. But those guys are going to be potentially the difference for them. And I think that the NCHC is really wide open this year. I think there's a lot of opportunity for teams to move around in there. Um, North Dakota is going to be good. Denver is going to be good. You know, they're, they're, Minnesota Duluth is always good. So, you know, you, there are going to be teams in here that are, are, are really challenging, um, uh, you know, to get through. But I think that, that on paper, St. Cloud State uh, really looks exciting, really looks fun uh, to watch as well. You know, you, you mentioned me at Nin, um, you know, Toronto Maple Leafs draft pick. He's not the fastest guy, but he is a brilliant shooter. Um, you know, mm-hmm. and he, he has good hand skills. He actually, you know, I mean, he really had a chance to, to, to set that, that national championship game in a whole different direction, uh, but hit the post uh, crossbar very early in the game. And it, it, you know, if he, if he converts on that one, you know, what does that look like? Because really they never found their footing offensively. Uh, and that's why, you know, we, we have so much respect for UMass because that was, an absolute clinic of a, of a, mm-hmm. a national championship mm-hmm. game. And I know that did not leave a very good taste in the mouth of the, the St. Cloud state Huskies. And and now that we're now the dog has stopped barking. So now we can move on from them and we'll wait to get to the Minnesota Duluth Bulldogs in a second, but I want to go to, to North Dakota because I think that they have, you know, we talked about Minis- Michigan and all the great prospects they have. We talked about Minnesota and all the great prospects they have. North Dakota might have the best player in college hockey this year. Um, mm-hmm. and, and you and I both have a ton of respect for Jake Sanderson and what he's done. He's a sophomore this year. Um, there were enough, there's enough turnover on the roster where it feels more like, you know, he can step into a role where it's more his team than it was last year. Um, you've had a chance to see him up close. You've said, you know, on this very podcast, he's the best player you've ever covered. How do you feel going into the season and what should the ex what is the appropriate level of expectation for Jake Sanderson, who of course was drafted fifth overall uh, in 2019 or 2020 rather by the Ottawa senators. Yeah. I, you know, the, the thing that really jumps out to me was the end of last year, UND had two defensemen who played in the NHL last year, Matt Kierstead 
and Jacob Bernard Docker both stepped right into the NHL right after their college season ended. And Jake Sanderson was a lot better than both of them by the end of the year. And those were elite defensemen. Like yeah. Matt Stead and Jacob Bernard Docker are two of the best defensemen in college hockey last year. And Sanderson was way better than them by the end of the year. It's cr- it was crazy how good he was the last two months of the season. And I, I think it was after the world juniors when he, you know, maybe started to figure out how much he could dominate. And, and the other thing that, that might've been a factor too is the UND had a lot of games this year where they were comfortably ahead. So Jake Sanderson, you know, gain the blue line, dump it, get it in deep and man the point and just not get caught. Don't do anything stupid. UND is going to win. Um, but when it got into games where it was tight or UND needed to come back, that's where all of a sudden you saw the, holy cow, this guy can do whatever he wants. Like he can skate around the zone. He can walk through guys. He sets guys up. And they had a few games at the end of the season where things were tight at the end of the game and Jake decided I'm going to take over. And he did. Um, you know, I, I just talked to him last week at media day. And he said he felt like he was able to dominate the last eight games of the season. And he wanted to come back and do that for a full season. Um, So we'll see exactly what he can do. But um, this year, North Dakota is not going to have as much offense as last year. I mean, they had eight guys sign NHL deals at the end of last season. They lost their top D pairing. They lost their top two lines. Um, so they're going to get into a lot more games where they need that from Sanderson and they need him to generate. So I think he's going to be extremely fun to watch this year because um, they're going to be looking for that offense because they're just not going to have quite as much as they, they did the last two seasons when they led the country. Yeah. And this goes back to his draft season. I, I mean, his coaches at the NTDP were telling him as, as the season progressed, Jake, you have the ability. Take the game mm-hmm. over. Put mm-hmm. us on your back. You're that mm-hmm. good. You know, and 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 they had a lot of guys that were, were talented players. And, and really the offensive game, the offensive ability that Jake Sanderson has is really underrated, mainly because, you know, he is such a focused defender. He is so mm-hmm. committed to making it difficult. And he he also is one of the best skaters in the country. Correct. Um, and one of the best, you know, and this, I had the same feeling about Kale McCarr going into his sophomore season. I was like, this kid is maybe one of the best skaters among yep. defensemen that I've seen. And, and, and Sanderson is in that he's, I don't know that he has the, the North South burst necessarily that McCarr does where the speed factor, but he, his, his fluidity, his power, all of those things are incredible. And he is fast. I'm not trying to say that he's, yeah. I mean, Kale McCarr is just at another level, but Jake Sanderson is a very fast guy and he closes on players uh, as well as anybody, but yeah, you know, and, and this is going to be a very difficult season uh, for, for them as they transition away. You know, you lose guys like Kawaguchi uh, Jasper Weatherby was a late loss that the, I don't think they anticipated losing. And you get an emotional leader of your team. Shane Pinto was one of the best players in college hockey last season. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, completely overshadowed by the, the goal scoring antics of, of Cole Caulfield, but really, you know, you look at player val- player value to his team. Shane Pinto was among the most valuable players in the country last season. So, uh, but yeah. there is also the the benefit of getting some of those transfers in as well, and, and getting some guys that that are going to replace 
um, uh, players. They also have a pretty good freshman class. Brent Johnson drafted Jake Smalls was a draft pick. Um, you know, they, those are guys that, that should create a, an opportunity for them to, to, to fill in some offense right away. Um, but boy, I, I gotta tell you, I mean, you, you know, who, who are some of the, you know, I mentioned the, the transfers, but you know, who are, who are some of the guys that have popped out to you in the preseason that, that may be able to kind of help them weather this storm a little bit better. Yeah. I, I think first of all, when you look at their, again, I'll go back to the D they start in a pretty good spot on defense. You know, you got your top defensive pairing. You got Sanderson and Ethan Frisch. Um, you know, you've got uh, Tyler Clevin, uh, Chris Jandrick, who is a Alaska Fairbanks transfer coming in. I think he's going to be pretty good. And then that allows you to ease in a Brent Johnson um, in, in some of those guys. So uh, up front, though, I think it, the two guys we're going to be watching will be uh, Connor Ford from Bowling Green and Ashton Calder from Lake State. They're older players. Um, they're going to need them to produce a little bit because they, they lost so much. And so it'll be really interesting to see just how much they can produce in the NCHC. They were great players in the WCHA. Let they tied for the lead in goals last year with each other in that conference. Um, and now they're coming into a really hard league. And what we saw, what we've seen with some transfers is they've had a tough time coming into this league. Um, and, and so it'll be really interesting. I think these guys are prepared to do so. I, I, I like what I see from them in summer and fall skates. I think they can jump in, but we'll see in a game. Um, when it comes to the freshman, Jake Schmaltz seems to be the guy. He's an older player. He's really smart. He's not Nick. So don't get me wrong. Don't get me wrong there. But he has some of Nick's attributes. He sees the ice well. Um, he's, he's competitive. He, he's great with puck possession. So he's got some certain things there and thankfully for us, he's wearing number eight. So <laughs> we can automatically pick eight and schmaltz together. Um, with all the, uh, that's what Nick wore here in case you weren't. Yeah. yeah. Wear, and, so. and, and yeah, I mean <laughs> the schmaltz, yeah, the schmaltz family pipeline, Mm-hmm. runs through grand forks um mm-hmm. and jake now jake is the cut co- is a cousin though right he's yeah so he's he's not they're not brothers but the same family same last name that number eight will will look good we just need to find i mean if there's any way to uh clone drake kajula they should have yeah. done that and see how much eligibility he has left but, <laughs> uh and and brock besser for that matter but um and yeah and then and zach driscoll as well the goaltender getting him in there uh transfer from bemidji state i mean that's a huge uh that's a huge boost to to a position that you know could have very easily um been difficult to fill with with adam shield gone so uh but yeah but driscoll i'm i'm, I'm interested to see how he handles you know being a number one at a, at a top program like that so um, very interesting team. I'm excited. You know, I think North Dakota, the way that they play is so, you know, NHL focused. I think it's just, they, they, they play the NHL style game. It's playoff hockey every weekend. It feels like for them. Um, so I'll be excited to watch that. We're going to move. Um, we're going to stay in the Midwest, but now we have the first season of the CCHA and I promise hockey East, this isn't a West coast bias thing. We'll get, we'll get you, we'll get you, uh, soon hockey East and ECAC and Atlantic hockey for that matter. But, you know, the CCHA is brand new this year. It's not, uh, you know, it's not exactly the same as the CCHA of yore. Um, and, and that was the league that I came up loving because I, 
I, my favorite college team was the UIC Flames and Chicago and um, RIP UIC. Uh, but, you know, I think that, you know, the CCHA, it's going to be really interesting. Don Lucia, former head coach at, at Minnesota and, and, you know, a national champion is, is the commissioner of the league. The WCHA is gone, which is just bizarre to see, even though it was a shell of its former self. It's still weird that there is no WCHA in college hockey. Um, it's nice that the soft landing is the CCHA, which is a familiar brand to people, but it's obviously that's also a shell of its former self. They do have a new team coming in. The universe, uh, you know, St. Thomas is, is in uh, the CCHA first year as a division one team. Rico Blasi, former coach at Miami is there and, and trying to get that program off the ground. Um, but, you know, I think that the CCHA will continue to be about a team that was the class of the WCHA and that's Minnesota state. Um, and, and Mike Hastings has built a program there that is continually among the best in the nation. It's not just that they're in an easy conference last year, they proved that they can play with the big guys. They made it to the frozen four. They, they, you know, had some of the great games, some of the absolute great games of the NCAA tournament, um, you know, getting into overtime and, and, and just, you know, being on the cusp of, of historic heights for their program. Um, you know, Brad, it seems like we say it every year, but I mean, Minnesota State is just a, a factory and they're one of those teams that does benefit from getting older players, letting them stay in junior for a long time, waiting until they're ready to come in. Um, and by the time a lot of them leave, they've, they've at least grown into, um, you know, this kind of amazing, uh, you know, player that has a shot to be an NHL guy or has a shot to to make it to the next level, um, you know, thinking of different, different players that have come through there, but I mean, what, what, what should we expect? They also have Dryden McKay, who was one of the other Hobie Baker um, finalists and uh, one of the two top 10 guys that have returned this year. So, I mean, what, what, what do we make of the Mavericks and the CCHA for that matter? Yeah. You know, I, I really think, you know, when you go into seasons at this point, you got to put Minnesota State Mankato as the default favorite. Someone until someone proves that they can knock them out, it's you know they are there. And especially this year with how many guys they have back, they have so many key guys uh, that are returning to that squad. Starts with Dryden McKay, and you know he's college hockey's uh, active leader in almost every goaltending st statistic right now. And, and the really interesting part is Dryden McKay was not the preseason player of the year in that conference. Nathan Smith was the preseason player of the year. If I, if I uh, recall You're correct, that is correct. And, and so that tells you what, uh, you know, the people that cover and coach in that league think of Nathan Smith, they got a big time forward there. You know, you got Hiroshi and Livingston back on the back end and, um, you know, they, they just seem like a pretty complete team. And I, uh, you know, was trying to look at who might challenge them. You know, I think Bemidji state has a chance to be sneaky good. If they can find a replacement for Zach Driscoll and net, you know, getting Ethan Samoza back for another year for them, I think is huge. Uh, he's going to score a lot of goals for that team. I, I think they will be pretty good. Um, you know, Bowling green was just decimated their entire senior class left and transferred, uh, so, the, you know, that's going to be tough for them to rebuild in, in one year after losing that many guys. So, yeah. Uh, and, and well, Bowling Green does have, though, they have Austin Swankler who's coming in, who is a very, did. very, very interesting case um, in recruiting. And he, he is the preseason rookie of the year um, in the CCHA. 
And you'll notice if you go to his elite prospects page that he spent a couple years or a year in the CHL, in the OHL, playing for the Erie Otters and um, did not get drafted. He did play in the USHL. Where Do you remember, where was he committed before? I can't remember right now, but he was committed at one point before going. Um, and, you know, he in, in his birth year, he was always a, a top end player kind of at the, the player development camps and all that. So he could be a, a, an impact player there. So just a name to think about Austin Swankler and, and, you know, the unique story of him having played in the CHL and now being able to move on. Um, uh, you know, we, we got to, I got to try and speed it up a little bit here. I've been keeping you for a while, but I did want to touch on the ECAC and the big story there is the return of the Ivies. Uh, you know, the, the, we did not have Ivy league teams in the, in the ECAC last year, the ECAC as a whole, uh, you know, no union, no RPI. I mean, it was, it was a, it was a, a four-team conference, essentially. Quinnipiac mm-hmm. was a very good team um, and deserved to, to you know, to, I thought they deserved to get into the to the national tournament. Um, and then, you know, St. Lawrence ended up getting the auto bid, COVID positive, can't go to the national tournament. Just a real unfortunate situation there. Um, you know, we had that happen with, with three, you know, three, three teams in the NCAA tournament. Um, but, you know, I think the real story here is, how does Cornell recover from being the number one team at the time things were shut down, not having any of their top players, like even Matthew Galeta uh, uh, transferred their top goal. He's a, he has a career 930 save percentage in, in the NCAA. He's at Notre Dame now. Um, but I really think you've got Harvard coming in with two classes, um, two, you know, so their sophomores and their junior and their freshmen are coming in having never played college hockey Nick Abrazizi had the unfortunate where he was too old for junior. So he couldn't go back. So he had to take a full year off of hockey if he wanted to stay eligible to play at Harvard. He's a, a Maple Leafs draft pick. But you've got coming in, you've got Matthew Coronado. You've got the USHL MVP in, in uh, uh, Sean, uh, Sean Farrell. Um, you've got, uh, you know, uh, Alex Laferriere. You've got all these different players that, that are coming into to Harvard, where I think that they could turn it around real quickly. They also have Henry Theron, who was on the, the World Junior team um, and, and played in the USHL last season. Um, a lot of really good players that are coming into to Harvard. So it's, I think the Crimson have a chance to really build it back up quickly. I agree. I, I, I really like what I see with their roster. Um, they've managed uh, things pretty well there. Uh, you look at, you know, some of the guys that are coming back, you, you know, you mentioned some of them, their, their rookie class, uh, I think is going to be really good. Um, you know, so credit to them for uh, managing the crazy off season as well as they did. I, you know, you just look up and down their roster and, and it's loaded and, you know, I, I'm, uh, Matthew Beniers, I, I'm, he was committed there, right? He was, he was. That's, they, that, they, that's they the could one have had Beniers on this team too, but yeah. uh, no, they, they, they've got enough high-end guys though to, uh, you know, the, some, some of them were able to play in the USHL. And, yeah. Uh, you know, I, I think they, they're going to be contenders. And uh, the other interesting uh, team to me is Quinnipiac because they went uh, heavy in the transfer portal and they got a lot of like the portal's biggest names too. Yeah. So, um, you know, Oliver Chow, of course, won the ma- national championship at UMass. They got Griffin Mendel, the uh, the D-man from Denver, who's a really good stay-at-home veteran D. You know, Dylan St. Cyr comes back in there. Um, so 
you know, they, they did some work in the portal. That's going to help them offset some losses they had. Yeah. I mean, it's going to be weird not having a hockey season with, with no Odin Tufto, just yeah, I know. putting up points and, and nobody talking about them. Uh, but they have a lot of interesting players that, that I think are, are going to be, you know, as they're healthy, will, will be real helpful to them. And, and that includes Wyatt Bongiovanni, uh, Skylar Brindamore really started coming into his own at, at, at points last season. Zach Metza, big numbers uh, from the back end. Um, mm-hmm. Looking forward to seeing what they have. Um, and then Ty Smolanik, who, you know, is probably one of the most high-profile recruits that they've had over the years. Um, you know, he had a fair World Junior camp, but he's in the mix for that team. It's not often that a guy from from that school is going to be in the mix for a, for a, a spot on the World Juniors, but he absolutely is. Um, and, and I did, you know, I think the one conference that is going to be next to impossible to project in terms of how it's going to finish is Hockey East. And Boston University, Boston College, uh, you know, BU had a weird season last year where they only played about 15 games, you know, made it into the NCAA tournament, had a, had a difficult loss to St. Cloud State. Um, you know, you, you've got Boston College, significant losses, Matthew Boldy. Alex Newhawk, Newhook are gone. Uh, Spencer Knight is gone. So that is, you know, they're, they're not, they're as close as you can get as a school to rebuilding um, of, of the blue bloods. You know, I think that that's, they, they have a lot of significant losses to deal with there. Providence should have a very good team. I think that they're kind of underrated. I think Northeastern has been a little bit underrated coming into the season, even though they had mm-hmm. significant losses, including Tyler Madden. Um you know, or, you know, and, and, uh, or sorry, he was already pro last season, but, you know, I think that there's, there's a lot of different things that were, will be interesting to watch in, in hockey East, um, UMass, we already talked about, they're the number one in the preseason poll there. Uh, but I mean, is there anything that you expect coming out of that, uh, that conference in terms of, uh, you know, what are you looking for from, from, from that? I mean, you look at the, the polls and, and I think Boston college and BU are still getting, you know, their name recognition bumps in, in those, those areas, because I think that both are going to have some challenges this season. Yeah. I, I, I think uh, I like BU a little bit better than Boston college right now. I yeah. know BC got Brandon Cruz from Bowling Green and he's going to help them right away. Uh, I think BU is going to be a little bit sneaky. I know, I know they lost David Ferentz, uh, but I, I kind of think they're going to be a little sneaky good. And, and maybe this is the first time, in five, six years where they can actually fly under the radar. They're not yeah. coming the season with everyone telling them how great they are. They're not turning over all these first round picks. I, I think they might be a little bit sneaky. And, and the other team uh, looking at the preseason polls that I have way higher than everyone else, it seems is Northeastern. Yeah. Um, again, I, I really like the uh, scoring. I, that can be a question mark for them, but I really like their decor. And, you know, Dalton Levi and goal, um, yeah. you know, he could be uh, among the best in the nation. So I, I, I think when you start with that D and goalie, I, I really think Northeastern's going to be good this year. Yeah, I think you're right. I mean, Levi missed, he got hurt at the world juniors. He set Canada's save percentage record at the world juniors. I think, uh, you know, co- going into that, you know, unfortunately for him lost to the U S in the final, cause he got bettered by, um, uh, Spencer Knight in, in one of the great goaltending battles uh, that we've seen in that tournament, but he missed the rest of the season. Didn't play. Um, this is a guy that, that is a, you know, Florida Panthers draft pick. Uh, uh, who I believe uh, 
got traded though um, uh, to Buffalo, I think. Uh, so, you know, he's, he's a legit prospect that is going to be uh, really, really interesting to watch. And um, yeah, so I think, I think Northeastern is definitely that team that is going to be sneaky. Good. Uh, mm-hmm. Sam Colangelo could be due for a, a big year uh, as well. Um, you mentioned their decor. They've got, you know, Jaden Struble. They've got guys that can play. I mean, Jordan Harris, mm-hmm. they got guys that mm-hmm. can play. So get ready uh, for that. And that, that's going to be exciting. Um, we also, you know, Atlantic hockey, I, I, I want to touch on as well, because, you know, it's been a bit of a weird off season uh, for Atlantic hockey because they've had, you know, Robert Morris out of nowhere drops hockey. Now that's coming back as long as they reach their fundraising goals, because that seems to be the new thing to do. And we'll, we'll talk about that real briefly here in a second as another storyline, but I mean, anything in particular that you see coming out of the Atlantic, Atlantic hockey, who do you think is going to end up being the entry maybe at the end of the season? Um, you know, that's, that's an area where I think some of those schools could definitely, uh, as we've seen in college football, maybe take a little bit more advantage of the transfer portal with opportunities to play for guys that went to power, you know, the power, power programs and didn't get the ice time. I don't know that it necessarily, you know, I, I don't think that they're going to be the, the first destination for a lot of guys, but if you, if you can offer playing time, that's a place where, you know, and, and playing, playing a lot at the division one level is a whole lot better than riding the bench at a, at a power program. And, you know, I think when I went through my preseason predictions, conference by conference, you're right. Hockey East, I, I stumbled on, I, I stumbled on Atlantic hockey more than any other. I, I didn't know what to think. You know, you, you know, you want to give American international the benefit of the doubt because they've been so good, but they really had some tough, you know, some key players uh, they lost. Um, and, and then, you know, you mentioned the transfer portal no conference added more players through the transfer portal than Atlantic hockey. And I think you're spot on. There's a bunch of guys who are really good in junior and just didn't crack a lineup that you're really, really wondering about, you know, you've got an American international got Chris Van Shaw, who was the Canadian junior A player of the year. Couldn't crack it at Mankato, the lineup there. He could have a big year there. Yeah. Um, you know, you look down, you know, Bentley, they picked up uh, Phil Nyes from Miami, the, the captain there as a, a grad transfer. Um, you know, he could be a really good player. Uh, Canisius brings aboard Randy Hernandez, who had a great yeah. year at, at Robert Morris. Um, you, you know, I just kind of look up and down these, uh, the, the list of uh, transfers in that league. And I think, you know, they're going to play a massive, massive role. And I just don't know which ones are going to break out. I know Randy Hernandez will be great. We've seen him already dominate for a year in that league, but the others could go, you know, any which way. And I think they're going to have a huge impact. Yeah, absolutely. You know, you look at army air force, they can always be a factor. The academies Mm -hmm. schools always in in the mix there, but yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be wild. It's no question about it. So we talked about all the conferences. I got them in there. I didn't necessarily know if I was going to do it that way, but I decided to because we were just rolling. Um, but I did want to get back to, we talked about this a little bit before we started recording. Who's the team that you've got your eye on that that everybody, that or maybe not everybody, but a lot of people are sleeping on right now? I think ours is the same. Yeah, the, the, the one team I have, you know, is, that I, I, th- I seem to have higher than everyone is Denver. Um, I'm that guy. I'm the one voted for them for number one. I, you know, maybe I should, if I'm going strictly by decor, like I said, I should, maybe I should have picked Minnesota, but, um, 
I think Denver has a lot of really good elements. I think they have the high-end guys up front. You know, you've got Stapley, Gutman, Brink, and Savoy, who have all produced already. You're throwing Carter Mazur from, uh, you know, the USHL. He's probably the best forward recruit in the league. Um, You add Cameron Wright, who has 100 career points up front. Then you're looking at third and fourth line guys like McCade Webster. Um, Ryan Barrow, who's uh, maybe the most explosive skating forward in the league. Uh, you've got Connor Capone, who will add that physical element up there. Uh, you, so, so you've got both the high end and you've got the depth. You look at the decor, maybe a little bit young there still. That's mm-hmm. my there. They've got the talent, but are, are they still young? You've got the, you know, Benning, uh, a sophomore to Amista's a sophomore. You've got Booyam and Barons. They're both freshmen. They're they're all really good players. Um, exactly where are they going to be this year? That's the question. And then Magnus Krona, um, you know, probably didn't have the year he wanted last year, but we've seen it in him. He can be really good. And so I, I think they're a complete team. Uh, last year they had some circumstances. Like I said, they they were one of those teams that had a really weird build up to the year. They never seem to get their footing. Bobby Brink just could not get things going. And I, I, I'm thinking that's going to be an anomaly because I, I think. Agree, yeah. um, I, I just see this team with so many weapons that I think, you know, they're a legit top five team. And uh, I, I picked them to win the league this year over St. Cloud State, who I think also is going to be very good. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Paper, yeah. And if you want to talk about a couple other sleepers, Western Michigan. Uh, <laughs> I love that. I'm, I, I mean, I'm a big Pat Firstweiler fan. Uh, mm-hmm. I think that, you know, as a coach, that is going to be huge. And then, I mean, you know, he, he, he's, he's done some really good work right off the hop of getting the reins of that program. And, you know, nobody, I, did you even hear a whisper of Andy Murray stepping away? No, yeah, I was I shocked. Mean, I, I didn't either. And, and Andy Murray did a great job. You think about that, how that program has kind of ridden the roller coaster. Um, Jeff Blaschel goes in there, you know, gets, you know, taken away by, by the, the Detroit Red Wings, still as a coach in the NHL. And then you get a former Jack Adams, you know, finalist in, in Andy Murray coming in and, and, you know, they, they continue to churn out guys that can play at the professional level. I mean, Western is definitely a team to watch under first Weiler. They have some good veterans. They lost some guys too. You know I mean? Like not having human gang is going to hurt, but you know, there, there are some guys that, that can play, uh, can play there for, for them. And, and I mean, the biggest, probably the biggest coup of the whole deal. I don't even, I know, you know where I'm going with this, like to, to the coaching, to fill out the coaching staff. I mean, yeah. they've got, they've got one of the best assistant coaches in all of college hockey. Yeah. They, they bring Jason Herter in who helped re- recruit some of those Duluth teams. And he worked with those decors there. Um, you know, you, you look at the, the, I just think Western up front, they're veteran. Uh, Josh Pasalt is back. E- Ethan Frank had a good year um, on the back end. Ronnie Adderd is one of the best in the country. He is. Yeah, one of the best, so one of the he, best around for sure. The, the one thing that tripped them up last year, uh, Brandon Bussey got hurt, and they, they it took them a while to get goaltending uh, goal going. Um, Bussey's back; he's healthy. Uh, actually, uh, Pat Firstwaller told me that when they were leading up to the pod last year, Bussey was playing so well that he went to Andy Murray and said, "We need to recruit a goalie for next year." He's not, he's getting signed. 
he's, he's too good. We need to look at recruiting a goalie. Um, so I, I think, you know, if he plays really well, uh, and the other thing, Western Michigan has had terrible luck with injuries. You look at that team, like when they had Wade Allison was hurt and, and McGing got hurt and they had like all, that one year they had like their whole team, all their key players were hurt at one time. It seemed like they couldn't get things going. So of course, uh, they should be good this year, but <laughs> we'll see if they can stay healthy too. Yeah, well, we, we absolutely will. I mean, you know, it, it's going to be, it's going to be interesting to follow this season. Uh, you know, we did get a couple of questions that I want to wrap it up with um, as well. If, if you got time, Brad, I know we're, we're up against the, the clock here, but, um, but yeah, but you know, before, before I get to those questions, I did want to, you know, kind of quickly run through, you know, if you're an NHL fan, obviously you're going to want to watch Michigan. You're going to want to watch Minnesota. You're going to watch North Dakota. I mean, they're, they're all those, all those teams. I mean, we just have the teams are really spread out, you know, in terms of the, the number of, of prospects and the guys that, that kind of grow. And, you know, I look back at, at recent years and, and like a guy like Jack Dugan at Providence is really, you know, he, he became a, a great player at Providence and, and, and is uh, now in the Vegas system and he was drafted by Vegas and really, you know, we saw them develop. I mean, do you think there are any, and this is actually, this kind of goes off of one of the questions that we got too. So it kind of uh, kills two birds with one stone. This one comes from at Dom shut up and Dom be, be nice for yourself. I don't want you to, don't, don't ever shut up. If you're going to ask good questions like this, you know, who, who do you think will have a, a major uptick in production this year? I mean, are there any breakout players, any guys that, that, you know, maybe are on the NHL radar that, that you think could be um, significant breakout guys this year? You know, I, I think the one guy we're going to hear a lot about is Ben Myers at Minnesota. I think yeah. he'd be a free, you know, if, uh, you know, the NHL fans like finding out who are going to be the the free agents everyone wants. I, you know, I think he's going to be one of them, you know, uh, f- from my area, you know, Brandon Scanlon started to get a lot of interest last year. Uh, he's a defenseman at Omaha. Um, he, he really uh, had a breakout year and really in the year he started getting interest, he decided to come back. So that was pretty big for, uh, for Omaha, you know, even Chase Primo. I think a lot of people will be seeing if he can, um, he had a great year last year. Can he do it again? Can he, he backed that up. I, I think he's a guy that will, will be looking at an NHL deal after this year. If he does, um, you know, off, off the top of my head, those are a few guys from this area. Uh, I think that a lot of people will be talking about, and I, I don't know if he'll sign uh, this year, but down the road, you know, Reese Gaber at North Dakota is a guy that mm. be a free agent. Everyone's talking about, you know, I guess we talked about Hiroshi at Mankato is another guy. Yeah. Hiroshi might be a guy who sees that production really increase this year. Yeah, absolutely. He's, he's, he's a really intriguing player and certainly will have a, an even bigger role at Minnesota state this year. Um, you know, a, a guy that I really liked, I got to see here um, in, in Cedar Rapids, Mark McLaughlin, uh, captain at Boston College, who's who's back and, you know, one of the better defensive forwards in college hockey. Same thing with Parker Ford. He gives you a great energy um, at Providence. He played, you know, played in the World Juniors. He's He's been a guy that's been on the radar for a bit now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I've heard some buzz about Jackson Nelson, who was a massive forward at Minnesota as well. So those are names that like in, on the UFA front. And I'd say like also on the, on the, the, the drafted prospect front, I mean, I really think this could be a breakout season for, for Jake Sanderson. I think that, you know, in terms of production and I'll, I'll take the words right out of your mouth and, and not, not get anybody saying, Hey, this is this North Dakota guy likes the North Dakota player. I mean, he just is that good. 
Um, you know, I think that we're going to see a lot of, of, of other guys really step up. And I mentioned, you know, Nick Blankenberg, who I should have mentioned in the UFA uh, conversation uh, is another, you know, he's, he's one of those guys where I think the numbers are going to go up because of his ice time. Um, but we're going to go to our questions now from, um, uh, you know, from, from, from some of the, the listeners here. And also I do want to mention, um, I will have a college hockey uh, preview. I know that Brad will also have his season preview in the Grand Forks Herald and, and the Rink Live. Um, you know, you can find those, subscribe to those uh, publications to get access to Brad's work. I'll have stuff on uh, Hockey Sense. Uh, we're not going to go through the Hobie Baker watch right now because we're running out of time. Um, but that's one, another one that I want to, uh, you know, if you want to learn more about that, go to our, our respective websites and, and, and pay to read it. But we'll go to the questions now. And, and a team that we didn't talk a ton about just a little bit. Uh, this comes from at Sam Brady 65. He, he, he wonders our thoughts on Minnesota Duluth. Now, Minnesota Duluth has been one of the best programs in college hockey over the last you know decade, essentially. I mean, really, Scott Sandlin has ch- turned that team into a perennial contender. They always have good teams. Um, did have some losses from last year's club. The, you know, the decor is going to, again, have to you know go through some changes. Got the, uh, to me, shocking return of Noah Cates. Uh, to the program, which I didn't see coming, uh, especially after Jackson Cates signed with Philadelphia, who has Noah's rights. Um, but they have Wyatt Kaiser. Um, they have they, they have tons, you know, they have guys that are going to be solid players. So you got to see them in that epic overtime thriller, which is what we talked about last time you were on the show. What I mean, what do you think of this team now in, in this iteration of Minnesota Duluth? Do they still have the goods to be a contender? You know, I, I think they're going to be interesting this year. They, the question for them is offense. How, how much offense can they produce? When you look at their back in last year, they might have had the lowest producing defensive core in the NCHC. It was them or Miami or maybe it was CC, but, you know, either way they were the last time I had done the math, which was in the second half of last year, uh, they had the um, lowest um, producing defensive core. Um, And can they up that? Because last year I thought their forwards could help carry, you know, Cole Kepke was explosive. They had Jackson Cates, they had Nick Sweeney had a great senior year, and now they lose those guys. Uh, to me, the, the questions are, can they get a little bit more from Connor Kelly on the back end? And then they're going to need guys like Quinn Olson, uh, Luke Lohite, Matt Biondi, uh, sorry, Matt, Blake Biondi to raise their levels. Because I think they, they have a good line. They, they, they can put in like Kobe Bender, Kobe Roth. They got Casey Gilling, Noah Cates. You got some good forwards there, but they're going to need some secondary scoring. And if those guys have a jump in their game, they're going to be pretty good. If they don't, they're not going to score enough to, to be one of the top teams in the country. So I think that's what I'm looking at. Or can those middle guys raise their game? Yeah. And that's, that's going to be the key. And that, you know, they have some, some interesting players coming in, but you know, it was, I think we talked about this before, you know, you look at the top recruiting classes in the country this year and in Minnesota Duluth's not in that mix. I mean, they, they, they didn't have many spots to fill to be honest. I mean, you know, but, mm-hmm. but losing Kepke and, you know, having, having to replace some of those guys, uh, but it'll be interesting. One of the good stories for Minnesota Duluth, I did want to highlight on this podcast though, Will Francis is on the roster, yeah. went through a cancer diagnosis, 
Um, drafted by the Anaheim Ducks. I got to see him play at Cedar Rapids quite often. A high upside, six foot five defenseman. He's been out of the game for a couple of years now. It's got, you know, he's got to get back into shape, but we, we wish him the best. And it's so good to see that he is on that roster and will have a chance to, uh, to play for Minnesota Duluth after, you know, a cancer diagnosis that really uh, not only threatened his career, but his life. And uh, he managed to beat it. And we're, we're really glad to see him back. All right. We'll continue on with our, our Q and a, uh, and this one comes from Lucas Pincari. With football entering another realignment phase, do you think we'll see buzz about that in college hockey, especially with the state of some programs and new ones coming into the fold? Or will the arrival return of the CCHA bring a halt to that for the time being? And real quick on that, too, we now know that uh, Augustana uh, is is going to in, in South Dakota is going to have Division One men's hockey. So that'll be a new team coming in. Doesn't necessarily affect alignment at this point, because right now. You've got just you know multiple independents because we've got uh, Alabama Huntsville, which is not playing this season, but is 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 twisting in the wind. Alaska Anchorage also not playing this season, but they did get the funding to come back. Alaska Fairbanks, Arizona State, Long Island University. Am I missing any? Uh, where is that? I mean, that's that's multiple yeah. that's multiple independent programs with no natural fit. Um, you know, so that's the that's the, the the question. I mean, Arizona State is building a new building. They're going to become more attractive to the other conferences. That will probably be there. We're still waiting to see if Illinois is ever going to get the ball off the ground uh, after you know really seeming like they were so close to having Division One men's hockey. Um, what do you think about the the current state of college hockey, and will we see uh, a realignment of some kind, or will we even see maybe even a new conference for some of these new teams popping up? I I don't think we're going to see quite an earthquake like we had 10 years ago. Oh boy. Thank God for that. CHG <laughs> and everything. I do think we're going to see constant shifting, some little shifts like Arizona state is going to be in a conference in five years. I, I really believe that. I, I think we're going to see little shifts here and there. Um, so I, I don't think uh, realignment is over, but I also don't think we're going to see like, total chaos like 10 years ago yeah and as a big 12 fan iowa state cyclones watching the big 12 implode has been less than fun um so now i know how people felt the first time around with the big 10 and wcha and all that other stuff that happened and chc and, and whatnot but um uh this one comes from this one is also from at don shut up um do you think carter savoy has a shot at the Canadian world junior team. He is age eligible. Yeah. Um, I'm not super familiar with all the, the CHL prospects here. I, I think that in this day and age in hockey, one of the hardest things to find is a pure goal scorer that can um, score with any given shot they take and that you can totally alter games with those guys. So based on that, I think he's a guy you've got to look at just because he has such a such a good shot that goalies have such a time a, a tough time stopping that I think you have to take a look at him. Um, I'm I'm not going to profess to know exactly what else they have coming there, but you know I think he's worth Hockey Canada taking a long look at. Yeah, I do think that they're going to send you know their their international scout you know their national scout to go see him. He was not in the summer camp, um, so that is they did they actually did have a summer showcase this year where it was just 
them playing against each other. Um, his younger brother was there, Matthew, playing in the under 18 showcase. Um, you know, he's he's a you know, he probably won't make the, the junior team either. But I, I think Carter's got an uphill battle um, just because they're not as familiar with him and, and they do have such a deep pool. That's the thing that I think will end up being the difference is that there are just so many players that are in the mix this year. I think Canada will enter that tournament as the favorite, as they almost always do. Um, but yeah, that'll, that'll be interesting. But he he's certainly of the of the Canadian college hockey players. He's one of those guys that they absolutely have to look at. Obviously, you'll see a primarily college hockey roster uh, for Team USA uh, with a few except with a few exceptions. But um, but yeah, but that'll be interesting to see. Um, so I think that does it, except for one very specific question that your expertise can handle better than anybody else's. And you know, a lot of people don't realize the Midwest, Upper Midwest. You know, it's not just all farmland and and hills and 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 sweet. There 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 is, there is culture here. I swear, I I, I promise you, it's not just flyover country. We have things, <laughs> and so this one uh, comes from Garen Roland. What is the best pizza in every NCHC city? And because we don't have time, I'm gonna I'm gonna ask you your top three. And also, if our audience doesn't know, Brad Schlossman has a hashtag. That is dedicated to him. It's called hashtag Schlossing. And it's often because he would, a photo would be taken of him inevitably interviewing a head coach at, at Minnesota or at, at North Dakota, usually Dave Hackstall and now Brad Berry, uh, holding a piece of pizza. That is what Schlossing is. This man loves pizza. He's probably had pizza in every NCHC city. I need your top three. I, I think Sammy's in Duluth. That's elite. Uh, if you go to Duluth, you got to do Sammy's. Um, maybe a little bit of a odd one in, in Omaha. It used to be called night flight pizza. I think they changed names now, but for someone who covers a game and comes back and is very hungry, like at one in the morning, it's open really late. So that one's clutch. I love going to Omaha because of the late night pizza um, Bill Bowes in Kalamazoo uh, came highly recommended from Brad Berry, who played uh, <laughs> for many years in Kalamazoo. I went there one time. It did not disappoint. Bill Bowes was a great uh, choice in Kalamazoo, Michigan as well. All right. Well, that's see. Now, you know, and, and Brad is a, I, I respect his palate. I respect his palate. I think that he knows what he's talking about when it comes to pizza. And I'm a guy from Chicago, so I'm very particular about my pizza. Again, if you are going to Chicago, don't get the deep dish. Just go and get a nice pub crust, square cut pizza from any of your favorite place. My favorites are Rosangela's and in, 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 in obviously like Lou Malnati's is kind of a tourist trap one downtown, but that they have they do have good pizza. Um, I mean, yeah, but Rosangela's, Nick and Vito's or Vito and Nick's, uh, those are, if you're in Chicago, hit those up. Um, okay. By the way, in, in 2017 at the frozen four, we went to Lou Malnati's. Um, I had been there before, but I, um, ordered the thin crust and everyone at the table gave me glares and the thin crust was amazing. It was better than the deep dish. So I won that day. <laughs> yeah, I'm telling you right now, people, if you go to Chicago, try the deep dish for the, the novelty of it. That's fine. But if you really want a good pizza and a good meal, get yourself 
some thin pub pub cut pizza. Uh, the pub cut, which is the square cut pizza. Sorry, we do the square thing. I know some people don't like that. But anyway, all right, last thing. This one, this question comes from Chris in Iowa. Uh, you know Dave Haxtell about as well as anybody in the media ever could. He is now the head coach of the Seattle Kraken. How do you think he's going to do in year one? And what do you think this opportunity, how will this opportunity be different for him than Philly? Obviously, with it being an expansion team and all those things, that that's key. But you had a chance to cover him and, and, and be around him and know him personally uh, on a certain level. So what do you think about this new opportunity for, uh, for Dave? Uh, I think he's a great fit there um, to be able to build a team from scratch. He, you know, he, he gets to pick his own players while him and Ron Francis together. Uh, but I'm sure Hackstall had a role on, you know, how they build their team. I think he's really, really smart about how he builds teams um, you know, I think he's going to get, uh, a squad that maybe doesn't have a lot of big names and high end guys. And I think he's going to love that. I, I think he's going to love developing a team. He's great at, like I said, at North Dakota, all of his teams were better at the end of the season than the start of the season. It was like every, every, it was like clockwork. Oh, it's the second half here they come. And, and I think he was really good at that. So I, I think he can build his own um, uh, you know, team there. And, and the one thing I think people forget about his time in Philly, uh, he stepped into a team that everyone thought was no good. Like I, I went back and looked at the expectations that first year, I found 30 season previews, 29 of the 30 had them missing the playoffs that year. Only one person, it was Mike Russo, by the way, uh, of course it was the flyers would make the playoffs that first season they, they brought him in because they were going to rebuild and they wanted a guy who had a track record of developing young players like dave hackstall and the biggest mistake he made is he went out and made the playoffs that first year and everyone all of a sudden <laughs> they were way better than they were and uh and that's kind of what his i thought he did at north dakota is no matter what style a team he had, they were always in the mix. And of course, when he went to Philly and took over a team that nobody thought was going to make the playoffs, of course they went and made the playoffs. And, and I think that's where, you know, Seattle, uh, some supremely talented team, no, but I think he's going to get a lot out of that team. And, and I think he's really going to enjoy uh, working with uh, a, some younger players that are going to develop there and B, some guys who are going to have a chip on their shoulder because they were left unprotected and not deemed uh, valuable enough to protect in the expansion. Right. So I, I think he's going to have a great time out there, and I, I think they're going to be a tough out for anyone. Yeah, well, he's he's going to have yeah. a guy that should be familiar to him and, and college hockey fans with with Jaden Schwartz there, and I think that's the the perfect kind of player for a Dave Haxall team. And I know for sure Matty Veneer is, is, is Dave Haxall's kind of player as well. So – Excited to see what he does there. And, uh, you know, we, we saw their first uh, exhibition game. It went very well. I wonder how he feels about playing in all those WHL buildings uh, after recruiting against <laughs> them for all those years. Uh, but it's uh, it's good. To, it's good to see. And, and Brad, uh, I can't thank you enough. Uh, you know, we're, we're friends. We're friends. And uh, you're a friend of the pod, a friend in real life, and also uh, now a two-time guest and I, I can't thank you enough for your insights and I cannot wait for the season to start. I know you can't either. 
Hopefully it's a little bit more normal, but everybody be a little patient in the early goings of the season. It might not be pretty at all times. So uh, Brad, thanks so much for coming on Talking Hockey Sense and, and best of luck this season. And also uh, before you go, why don't you let everybody know where they can find your work? Yeah, it's always fun. We could we could probably go on for hours and hours, but <laughs> yeah, <laughs> works will be on uh, grandforksherald.com uh, all season long. And we'll uh, try to have all sorts of different kinds of coverage this season and uh, look for uh, a lot of stories next week. They're all coming out next week when our season preview comes out. Yeah, and it's always a must read. So definitely make sure you sign up for that. And uh, yeah, Brad, thanks a lot. For, for coming on the podcast and I, and I will see you very soon, uh, hopefully on the road somewhere at some point. And uh, yeah, but, but, but best of luck with the coverage this season. Perfect. Thanks, Chris. Once again, my thanks to Brad Schlossman for joining me on the podcast this week. What a great guest and what a great source of knowledge on men's college hockey. And, and, you know, certainly covers North Dakota, uh, as well as anybody covers an NHL team. Uh, you know, basically, it's North Dakota's NHL team, if you will, and, and I think Brad does such phenomenal work, so make sure to follow what he does uh, at the Grand Forks Herald, and also uh, you can find his content at The Rink Live as well. So a couple of different places to find him. All right, aside from that, it's been a long episode already. I don't want to make it too much longer, but I do want to remind you that the top 100 NHL drafted prospects will be up very soon on Hockey Sense with Chris Peters. Also, a men's college hockey preview complete with my Hobie Hopefuls, uh, top prospects to watch, my personal top 10 for the upcoming season, uh, who I think will be in the Frozen Four, and all sorts of things like that. You'll be able to find that on Hockey Sense with Chris Peters on Substack. Once again, Monthly, $6. Annual, $54. Saves you three months. And we'll also be having a college special. So look out for that on there. It's for college students, faculty, and staff. If you have an academic email address, you'll get a discounted rate um, for a limited time. So uh, make sure that you check that out if you are a college student or faculty or staff. Or if you're on a, a college hockey staff, uh, I suppose use your college email address and you might get it too. So that uh, that could be cheating a little bit there for you guys. But I will say that it's been a lot of fun to talk hockey with you guys every, uh, every so often here. We're going to try to get back to weekly episodes uh, as the season progresses. Next week, we'll talk more about the NHL season, uh, a preview of that, also a, a thoughts on rookies, and, and I'll have a guest that can speak to that as well. So a lot coming up soon on Talking Hockey Sense. If you enjoy the podcast, please leave us a favorable rating and review wherever you get your podcast. Make sure to follow, subscribe, however you get it. We're available wherever you get your podcast. so make sure you're listening to us on your app of choice. And we're just going to try and keep this thing rolling all season long. It's really exciting to have hockey back. It's exciting to get ready uh, for for just another season of content and 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 bringing you the best that I absolutely can. And again, your subscriptions, your positive reviews, all of those things help this get out there. I'm I'm a one man band. I'm trying to make this thing grow as best I can, just to continue doing this. And and if you guys enjoy the content that I'm providing, I really appreciate your support. And and even just listening to this podcast is support enough for me. So I I do appreciate that. But if you'd like to. Take the next step. Make sure to head over to Hockey Sense with Chris Peters on Substack. 
All right, that's going to do it for this week's episode. Thanks so much for joining me and being here and your support and everything else. It's been so fun. Hockey is back, everybody. Let's have a great season out there. And we will see you next week right here on Talking Hockey Sense. My name's Chris Peters. We'll catch you next time.